Hello and welcome to Geeks Can't, the home of RPG jargon and general tomfoolery. Today, we're coming to you with yet another round of creator interviews as part of our Feast of Zine celebration. I am your host, John, the Dwarven DM. Once again, joined by my fellow co-host, the the man who needs no introduction, who's certainly not the the previous introduction of the Dapper DM, the for, the mayor of Fort Wayne, the height challenged yet beard enabled Grandmaster, Game Master Troy Sandlin. Welcome, Troy. Uh, Lolly, what's up? <laughs> Lolly, sup? Yeah, uh, I did find a T-shirt, up. by the way. I found a T-shirt that said Lolly Ho on it. But it was oh, just like no. terrible. I was I was so close to buying it, even though it was like just looked bad. But I was uh, I was I was excited when I saw at least some merch out there that represents what's, the what's Lolly, Lolly Ho greeting. Very cool. And I, I also forgot there is actually something. There's like Lolly. There are other Lolly greetings or something like that. Anyway, that's besides the well, point. Now, though. Well, now well, we um, have Lolly Zach and Lolly Patrick too. <laughs> Lolly Zach and Lolly. Is, is that that's the how the language works now? I don't Welcome, know. fellas. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, nice to meet. Nice talking to you. Yeah, we got uh, Patrick and Zach are joining us today, uh, and they've got a new project that's coming up, and we're pretty pretty stoked about it. They um, they are fellow compatriots, or working with uh, World of Game Design on producing producing games, and uh, they, we are stoked about uh, about what they've got cooking and what's coming out here pretty shortly. So, uh, Troy, I think um, you probably know them better than I do. You want to go ahead and kick us off with some a couple a round of questions. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So I I know uh, Patrick and, and Shadow Zach. I get to work with them doing WOGD stuff, World of Game Design stuff. Um, I am also eagerly awaiting my box set, my my uh, my limited edition box set for Winthrop Manor. Oh, and uh, and I've yeah I've got I've gotten to see some of the artwork that's going into their new project, the the Tome of Terror. Now, uh, the artwork. That I've seen is really creepy, and ha- but also has that really gritty uh, Solomon Kane type mm. feel to it. Where you know the, the 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 normal people in the pictures always seem to have that uh, just above poverty look to them <laughs> like, like you know they're covered in dirt their 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 clothing is all grimy and it's just like oh crap we have to deal with that now too um <laughs> yeah. so the this this tome of terror uh te- well tell us a little bit just a real quick thing about winthrop Manor because that was that was a kickstarter from previous and mm-hmm. then tell us about tome of terror and how that fits into uh is is it also in the same setting as Winthrop uh, Glen? Yes. yes so basically, okay. uh, Winthrop Manor was our first attempt at uh, kickstarting of something on our set for ourselves, and we worked together with some other capable people, uh, able people like um, JVC Perry, who helped us writing the story, and obviously the not Shadow Bag, <laughs> and it was a nice little adventure, um, which we intended to. Mm, as a funnel, you know, you take uh, you take all your characters at basically at level zero using um, Zach's common uh, commoners core rules, and you have those nice creepy manners. And as at level zero, you feel really powerless when you're forced into it and need to find a way out without you know getting killed. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yep, I am I am so ready for that to come through. Yeah, yeah. we too. We got. Uh... 
few more things that are filtering filtering in uh, due to COVID delays, but they they're going out soon. And man, I because here's the thing, everything's getting shipped to, you know, the person who's fulfilling it. So I don't even I haven't even seen some of this stuff in person oh. yet, and I am really so you don't have like a really you didn't like a a, a a test print like a dry run print to look through and make sure that it uh, it looks good. Oh wow. I, well. I didn't personally, but someone else on the team did. So, okay. it, yeah. yes, it, they have been looked through by people on the team, but I personally have not received my copy. I did get to look through the digital proofs, though, of everything. So, that's okay. Cool. So, okay, so you used you used the Commodore Core system for Winthrop mm-hmm. Manor. That's interesting. Yeah, that yeah. Zach designed. Uh, that yeah. that y'all designed. That, him. Uh, it fits pretty nicely. Um, yeah. So kind of an idea we wanted to do in Tome of Terror would be more like an extended background and things we are planning for the future could be something more like Winthrop Manor where you can actually play the background. Mm. Ooh, okay. Well, that's exactly. cool. I like that. Very, very cool. That's cool. So, okay, um, you went with, uh, and the, the particular reason why you went with the Commoner Core system was because of how squishy uh, your uh, your characters are in it, or what, what? What was it that drove you towards that? Was it more? Was it narrative? Was it mechanical? Or kind of like why did why did you mix the two uh, the way that you did for for that story? I think I wanted to when I started thinking up a concept for what we could do, and like you know, trying to do a haunted house in D anD D. It just kind of made the most sense as, as uh, Zach and Patrick and I were all talking about it. And he was like, Hey, I've got this great system that we've developed that we could let y'all use for this. And it just, the more I thought about it, the more it seemed to just be a natural fit to horror storytelling, especially within a game like Dungeons and Dragons, where the more powerful you get, the less scary things seem to become. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, which to me is a very, it, it, D&D being a system for a very much heroic fantasy mm-hmm. it's hard to do that gritty realism mm-hmm. because yeah once you get to a certain level it's just like eh it's mm-hmm. not that big a deal i'm never going to run away from the monster with the with the chainsaw i'm just going to right. you know pick up pull out a bigger chainsaw yeah i'm turning yeah. around now like yeah. I'm, I'm being chased by him. No, you know what? I think I'll stand my ground. Like what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't want to hear that from uh, from your victims. That's a, yeah. that's that's a bad that's, that's a bad right. that's a bad omen is what that is. It's that's we right. were just having this conversation actually, not to like park on this for a second, but I was just having this conversation with my players on my Friday in my Friday game. I ran Tales for the Loop for them a couple of weeks back, and they they ate it up. I absolutely loved it. And this is a diehard. Please like. We don't want to play anything but D anD D for years. Mm-hmm. They were like this, and they tried Tales from the Loop, and they loved it. And they, I ran it again on Friday, and they're like, "God, man, I kind of like, can we play this again?" They're like, wait, I'm like, I had to, I had to pick myself up off the floor whenever they said they didn't want to play D anD D, they wanted to play something else. I'm like, and so we had a really long conversation about why it was that this game, the system was so. It was, was it the system? Or was it kind of the way that it was run, or what? What made it so easy to play and so entertaining? And part of it was. That the the vast differentiation in heroic play versus like schmo play, you know, like the mm-hmm. Joe schmo, or in, in Tales from the Loops instance, kids, right? Where mm-hmm. like one dude with a gun is a massive threat to 
you know, like four Goonies or whatever, right? As a, right. As, so the Fratellis are terrifying. They don't have to be xenomorphs. They don't have to be dragons or Tarasks or anything like that, too. So I totally get that. So let me ask you this. So moving into uh, the Tome of Terror, you said that it's there is it's a, is it a continuation of the story? Is it a setting, or what is it exactly that? How the, how do the two uh, meet up with one another? So for Tome of Terror, I think we are basically. Uh, more going for a mechanic and rule book. We are we will be uh, placing parts of our um, planned setting in there, mm-hmm. um, but we are focusing currently more on the staying neutral side. So you can you can take um, basically what is ninety percent or even more of the book and place it in your very own world if you want to. Mm. So this is an yeah. expansion of the Commoner Core, or is this something else? No, it's it's for it's for D and D five E. It's um, oh, our own uh, horror mechanics, new sub races, classes, new monster spells and items. Oh, that's cool. Right. So essentially, like the way uh, the way we used the commoner core was a way to kind of draw draw it back a little bit to like Patrick was talking about to to like that background stage of character creation of this being like an like someone who's not an adventurer in this starting their adventure so we have we've created different kinds of mechanics that will help um you can use one or you could use all of them um that kind of help lend to creating a more terrifying style of gameplay within fifth edition and one of those is a is a sort of type of a background ability that you can choose called terrible ties and kind of, uh, I think we we kind of want to explore later. Maybe looking at using the commoner core system to explore um, playing out those terrible ties that we're going to be including. And so Winthrop Manor kind of connects to the Tome of Terror book in in a sense that um, the adventure serves as kind of playing through one of these terrible ties that you find in the Tome of Terror book. It's kind of a living embodiment of going through that and figuring out, hey, why would this person in this horrible, dreary, creepy world be called to a life of action. And you kind of get to play through that part of your backstory, which could, you know, seems like a fun and interesting way to go too. Mm-hmm. This this is exactly why we came up with the Commodore Core system. For for just that thing. Playing through mm-hmm. that you know, in D D you've got that little that background that has the little blurb and some and some personality traits and that's all you get. Mm-hmm. there's so much juice waiting to be squeezed out of that. And this Tome of Terror, to me, is the perfect next step. The the You, you play through that, your background, and it takes you then into the world and the horrors of, of Glenn in this, mm-hmm. in this uh, iteration. I am really stoked for this. I am Beyond, beyond words, I am I am stoked for this. Well, I think what's really cool too, guys, that you can do is that you can take if somebody comes in and they don't play Winthrop Manor all the way through first, right, and you just kind of like start from square one in out of the, out of this book, you can do a flashback prequel one shot or like one or two sessions. That's like previously on Tome of Terror. You go back and <laughs> you can play through that Winthrop Manor in there and it's like to flesh f- to flesh it out because I'm with Troy. One of the things that I really appreciate about that mechanic, and I did that with my 
uh, with my uh, my Friday night game. We're doing we're running uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, uh, the scary version of Rhyme of the Frost mm-hmm. Maiden, oh, uh, and uh, and it uh, and we did that too, where they all kind of come in with their own pre existing notions of what their characters are going to be, and they kind of like they even the most um, well fleshed out and thought up background is all fine and good, but you still have to find the character as you're playing. So to me, what would be a really, what I thought was an interesting play on that was like, all right, once they figured out what their character is, now let's go back and play their character, play that background. So they understand that's even, that's deeper and more meaningful to them. And so uh, I I love the way that you guys are going to have these two things. There are like a lot of different ways you can, you can run it, right? It's not like it has to be like, it's not episode zero and then one, two, three, four. You can go one, two, three, four, and you can do the the, the zero later on. I love that. Absolutely, it's really smart. And Terror. and one of the things about the Tome of Terror that we kind of were were excited to explore that kind of gets away from uh, like like Ghostfire Gaming and their their Grim Hollow setting is mm-hmm. fantastic and it, it's it's mm-hmm. great. Um, for, for what it does, but it is largely a setting book. And so that's one thing that as we mm. got into this, we kind of wanted to, we kind of wanted to present, you know, I have the setting that I've written and in my head, but we kind of just want to present it as a way of like, okay, here's this, here's an example setting of how best of, of how we imagine best using all of this additional content. And even down to most of the pieces of the setting itself are, are things that could just be, you know, dropped wholesale into your own world because mm-hmm. part of running horror in five E that's so hard is horror is made up of so many different elements. And, and I think really what, when you're playing, Dungeons and Dragons, a lot of times what it comes down to is the stat block, right? And you can't really just convey horror with a stat block. So, you know, the whole book kind of focuses on focuses on honing in on the different aspects of what makes something terrifying and kind of fleshing those out from different stat blocks to, you know, writing lore that could just be dropped in bit for bit. So one of the things that we kind of I talked just a second ago about how you know, D&D is heroic adventure. It's 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 big stakes. It's kind of like the medieval superheroes, right? Mm-hmm, where, sure. where you get really big, really really fast, and then you kind of scale out of threats pretty quickly. So let me ask you this: What are the mechanics that you put into Tome of Terror to that make it either that either put those like that check the the characters, right? You're level ten, but but whoa 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 whoa, hang on just a second. Just because you're level ten doesn't mean that. This thing is scary. Is it is it like a an optional mechanic that you can incorporate, or is it monster based? Where like we're gonna we're kind of taking a look at a different view or look at the monsters and how you how you present their mechanics or mechanics that you have in them to make them scarier or what's how how does that how do you make scary scary in in a world full of superheroes like that? Well, it's it's a lot of different things, right? And it's a you know, it can be one or a combination of the things that you just mentioned, right? Like that's part of it is um, Patrick and I have developed uh, quite a few different optional mechanics that you can include in your game that will help increase tension and and fear and things like that pretty organically, um, just kind of by 
stressing your players out a little more. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, we have some some parts that just kind of like are written text that are ways that kind of show you how to flavor and describe things in horrific ways, you know? And, yeah. And those I, are just I think, two I think the same. It's, it's basically a combination of, uh, first up, whatever mechanic you want to use, for example, what Zach just mentioned would be something like we... Uh, Many people, uh, I think even Wizards included, want, uh, still goes light on the mechanical part when it comes to insanity and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And at least I am the person who still likes to have some mechanic behind it. So we developed an uh, insanity uh, mechanic for it, which people can use who want to. Very cool. Awesome. And did you guys use anything like a, like a like panic or anxiety or something like that to kind of like to really ratchet up tension? Uh, do you have a, is there a mechanic or an optional mechanic for that? Yeah, basically the insanity mechanic. Uh, so what we call it is uh, the dread and insanity mechanic. And you mm -hmm. first start up building uh, dread. And when your dread reaches a certain level, you kind of like reach a point where you develop insanity. And uh, okay. um, insanity is hard to get rid of. And when you re reach another point where your dread is maxed out, your insanity progresses. Kind of like that in the way until you reach a point where it's basically just a catatonic and <laughs> yeah. can't do anything left. So then, dread, then that way. so you use okay. So then, if insanity is difficult to either reduce or remove, then yeah. dread is like this this meter that can go up and down without having any long term exactly. effects, exactly. right? And the closer that you get to it, that's where some of like the tension starts to build. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah, want exactly. to get to that yeah. point, right? It, and it's like creating that. like this fear of like, you don't want your character to go insane because once your character goes insane, it's kind of like maybe the opposite where, you know, dread can be this long building thing that reduces over time. But with insanity, it's like, once you cross that threshold, you're going to descend pretty rapidly if you are not having some good roles. And therein it ties back to the, uh, the terrible ties, like background mechanic we wanted to mm -hmm. introduce. They, they, um, they have certain things in them called terror triggers when you choose a terrible tie. And when you come across one of those terror triggers, that's what prompts you to roll on this uh, dread, you know, to roll for your dread save and to keep that from happening. And then on the flip side, you also get a small bonus related to whatever your terrible tie may be. Like if you were, um, you know, held captive by, by a vampire Lord for years, you probably have some kind of, deeper understanding of how vampires you know their habits and and mm -hmm. things like that so you know you can kind of maybe play favor with the with the game master for you know getting advantage on certain roles related like to that kind of knowledge yeah. so how do you how do you with like dread and insanity is there anything that are there like um i'm thinking of things like lesser restoration greater restoration and things those spells that are in typical D and D, they kind of like you hand wave those problems away, right? Is that is there are, are there mechanics to take that into account, or is that do you have any guidance for the DMs on how they manage things like that? We're like, oh well, I'm insane, but that's fine. Greater restoration, and I'm good to go. Once I hit level twelve or whatever it is, I don't really have to worry about this mechanic anymore. Mm. Yeah, that, uh, I, I thought about that problem too, and um, what I meant with it getting hard to get rid of. I mean, it's progresses in certain stages and mm. when you cast you, you have the option to cast uh, greater restoration to reduce a stage but every time you 
cast greater restoration on a person, you need a next level greater restoration to deal with it the next time. So it mm. can start at five, oh. then six, then like seven, that. eight, and at some point you, you can't only cast wish. Mm. And I mean, if you're at that point, I like that. I really like that. Yeah, because you, you look at like Curse long. of Str- you look at like Curse of Strahd, Morden Kanan. Spoiler alert: Morden Kanan's in there, and so but Morden Kanan's he's kooky, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, he's got he's in that. He, that in that spectrum of of insanity to where he's on the in the he can't return from it from that right so right um, even a, a great wizard sorcerer or like a, a super powered being in the in the the D and universe they should get to a point where like that's it there's no way around it other than like, like yep. a wish spell some kind of divine yeah. or celestial intervention is the only way to get around it so I like that of like. The, they the, they stack the difficulty stacks every time they reach yeah. that that apex. The more powerful account. you get, the more options you get, but those uh, those options run out at a certain point. Right. Then you yeah. start seeing weirder stuff, right? As you get in, oh, in yeah. that that range too, where the stakes. That's another thing. Instead of like reducing your hit points and like and killing you, maybe it's not so much about worried about killing you. It's worried about driving you, well, it, like into the abyss, like, yeah, like yeah. mentally into the abyss. Yeah, there's many many things you can do. And I always like to uh, use different mechanical a- effects and different uh, uh, mechanics, so I don't like to reuse much of this stuff it's all because mm-hmm. that gets boring, you know. Right, yeah. right. This, this to me, the the, the whole uh, Winthrop Manor, uh, the setting of Glen, the Tome of Terror. To me, this is presenting what how how Ravenloft is presented to the D and D community. Is, is how this is. Because mm-hmm. Ravenloft as presented is not how Ravenloft plays. Mm-hmm. Because you've got that super, those superheroes running around Barovia doing their thing. Mm-hmm. This is that, oh yeah, you, you, you I could almost see you can take Curse of Strahd and use these rules and it's like, it will be a completely different playthrough mm-hmm. because it actually, yeah. it will actually make you pucker. Yeah, 100%. instead of, and that's that's kind of a, a little bit where where the whole concept of it came from is that like as a huge horror fanatic, you know, obviously for a while, Curse of Strahd has been my favorite adventure, but mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, for lack of a better term, it didn't have it didn't really have a, a big bite to it didn't mm-hmm. really have teeth in my opinion yeah. it was very i don't know it felt like it was just barely pg-13 to me and it was fun and i enjoy it i love curse of Strahd and i love the new ravenloft um expansion but it, it it's like you said they are still playing by the superhero rule set yeah. with the super with the fantasy mentality in mind and i just wanted to try and find a way to take the fantasy gloves off and handle it with actual handle dungeons and dragons with actual horror in mind. Yes. Yeah. It seems like in, in curse of straw, the way that they, they ratchet up the stakes again, no pun intended, but the ratchet, the ratchet <laughs> that up is by not introducing very many magical items. Right. Right. Because in, in, in five E a lot of the times it's like, it is a, uh, an expected, part of the scaling it's not just levels mm-hmm. we're also going to get loot that will make us more awesome and the loot that they've got that, that you find in curse of strahd until like the 
I say that, but then you've also got like the what is it, the the symbol of of uh, Ravenkind and some of the other stuff that's like ridiculous. Once you get the legendary items, it's yeah, it's like, like essentially you hit it's like God mode whenever you whenever mm-hmm. you're fighting bad guys. But up until yeah. that point, you start finding those things. That's kind of the way that they they ratchet up the tension is the difficulty is through just diff, simply through difficulty as opposed to a mechanic that kind of that um, that meters tension out instead it's something that's just kind of yeah. an unspoken thing as opposed to as opposed to being very very intentional which i like in this so this is really a companion piece to any kind of uh anything anything 5e out there that you feel like it doesn't have enough of the like a horror aspect or dread or some kind of like something to, to really you know to make the hairs on the back of your players stand up um this is really you bolt this in where you need to with mm-hmm. whatever options that you want to obviously it's not like all or nothing it's you take the stuff out of it yeah. like in any in any book any good book is the book that's going to inspire it's going to give you some options that you can use or not use um in order to make your games better so if you're playing this or you're playing you know some of the adventurers league stuff at home for the for the mist hunters games and you or, for, or like, for the love of god if you're going to play rhyme of the frost maiden get this <laughs> stuff first and then, take out the dancing walruses or the ice take out the ice, yeah the ice dancing walruses and give it some uh, some real tusks yeah. real, some real tusks yes. well uh this is i mean i could do this all day long honestly i i yeah. i really love this uh I, I this is the kind of these are the kind of um accessory books that i look for in my games when i'm playing D because you know not to like we 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 kid around a lot, quite a bit with Watsy uh, because they're the they're the gorilla, the six hundred pound gorilla in the room. That I get it. it they've got a they kind of have to Disneyfy in order to appeal every mm-hmm. single market. But this is the kind of stuff that I, I'm so glad other creators are out there and are ca- and taking advantage of. They see the gap. Yep. And this is the feeling of the gap. It's like yeah yeah yeah. You want this to be scary. I know that you promised it would be scary, and it's not really. But there is something here that we could you can work with. Yeah, here is a companion piece that we can hand off to the players and to the for the for their own sake, right? For their own fleshing out their characters and to the DMs to make them uh, to give them what it was that they wanted, and they can and the reusability of it is is there. So it's not like you once you get this, this opens up like all of those other books that you wanted to play, and they just they didn't they didn't do it for you. You bought Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, you read it, and you're like, ah, crap. And then it goes back on your shelf, right? You, know, you read through Curse of Straw, and you're like, yeah, I'm getting now. Man, no, it's okay. You get this book, though. Now it opens both of those books back up, and you can you can plant the way that you want it. I love yeah, that. Not, yeah. not to mention the own, their own setting of Glint. Yeah, ex- well, yeah, exactly, too. So you've already, that's the thing. Is like now, on top of that, you've got – or if you come into it completely blind – and right, you've got something yeah. to work out of that you can play with that uh, that doesn't require. It's not like it's it isn't uh, it's, it's not a symbiotic relationship that it has to be. It is its own right. independent entity. Also, I love yeah, that. I think exactly. with it, uh, Sif focuses very heavily on the role play aspect to create their horror, uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's totally correct. That's the right way to do. It. It's one of the important parts, but. Um, giving mechanics to it is, I think, a good way. They are optional for a reason, so you can pick and place what you want to have. Yeah, pretty and, cool. And honestly, I think the one of the best parts about the setting itself and the way that it's written isn't necessarily so much that it's it's another setting for people to play in so much as it 
it really does serve as I think a genuinely primo example of how these how this content can be used and you know even if even if you're not using the setting we designed maybe it will inspire others to start looking at how to craft their settings their own Mm. homebrew settings differently because for the setting that i'm going for you know i'm starting you know with inspiration that's not within the realms of fantasy and heroics i'm starting Mm. you know with things set within grim dark settings things like you know the granddaddy of grimdark 40k that was obviously my first go-to looking for themes and like how to deal with it so mm-hmm. you know it's that that's another great thing that i love about it is it's just inspiration for writing your own more terrifying settings that maybe eschew some of the more fantastical and colorful elements that that you really don't think about scrubbing until you sit down and think about, well, why isn't this as scary as I want it to be? Yeah. <laughs> and when you sit and think about that all day, every day for a couple mm-hmm. of years, you start to figure it out. Well, look, before we, before we cut out of here, when I, uh, we're kind of, cause we're kind of getting close to time. Uh, let me ask you this. So the, uh, the two of you have uh, written this under the banner of Stoneworks gaming. What is the best method an avenue to get a hold of the two of you or to keep up with the work that you're doing. Uh, like the, when does the Kickstarter go live? I didn't see that yet. We haven't uh, planned a date yet. So we're sh- trying to shoot for end of February and yeah. we're not, uh, we will see if we can reach that date or not. But I think if not, it will cl- uh, follow closely. Mm-hmm. Right. So then at the very least, we encourage you listener and viewer to, uh, to go out to Kickstarter and find Tome of Terror Horrors of Glenn and then mm-hmm. uh, follow it. Yep. So that yep. you'll, you'll be the first one to know whenever it does come li- uh, uh, it goes live. And then outside of Kickstarter, what's the best way to get a hold of the two of you and your so- in socials uh, to keep up with the work you're doing and, and find out what you're doing next? Mm. Um, you can check us out on Facebook at uh, Stoneworks Gaming. Uh, Instagram is Stoneworks Gaming. And then uh twitter is stoneworks g and for all of those that's big stone little works and um yeah as 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 of right now as we're integrating into the world of game design uh so it may be a little you know you may see some double posts or things like Mm -hmm. that here and there um as we merge with world of game design i I think though too with integrating into world of game design we will probably you will probably hear from us on their side too Yes, um, absolutely. That's basically yeah. issue. Of I, for myself, um, like doing a little bit of the Imskid stuff too, a supplement yeah. here and there. But apart from that, I'm currently concentrating mostly on on the Tomb of Terror because I really like working on that book. That's awesome. Well, uh, Zach, Patrick, uh, Shadow Zach. Uh, <laughs> what do we call the other Zach then? Is he? Is I think he we should call Shady Zach. Zach. That doesn't seem right. We should call Shady Zach. Zach. Yeah. Oh, wow. Celestial that's Zach. It. Call him God's Zach. Shadow Zach is way too... Zach and Shady Zach. No. <laughs> that's, too, that's too benevolent a name for Zach. His, <laughs> yeah, we uh, don't need his head any bigger. We don't need his head any bigger than it already is. Um, guys, I want to I want to invite you to come back um, here pretty soon and, and talk about... Uh, this is this is news to both of you as well. Uh, the three of us will be working on a project soon. Really? Yes. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Yes, uh, I think you guys are going to really like it. I think the uh, the viewers and stuff are going to have a, get a big kick out of it. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I I just uh, had a had a couple discussions this past weekend, and um, yeah, you you two are who I'm coming to first with for Excellent. this. So this is just a, a little tease. This is just a little tease <laughs> for the people out there listening and watching. Um, but I will tell you this: um, you'll be learning quite a bit about the different horror mechanics and what you can find in the setting of Glenn. So uh, with that, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I'll probably see at least one of you tomorrow morning really early. Yeah. Um, Thanks for having us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I said, come back. And even if it's not about the other thing, uh, come back anytime you want to talk about anything at all. It doesn't Absolutely. even have to be a project. So. And if you are looking Absolutely. for more geeks geeks can't material, uh, or if you're if you're just trying to avoid us and you need to know exactly what to avoid on those social media platforms, then best thing for you to look for is geeks can't on Twitter. Uh, let's see, Facebook, Instagram, uh, World of Game Design, Wogdy Live on uh, YouTube and Twitch. You can reach us. Uh, that's the best channels. So from uh, from a missing Zach. The other Zach, right? Uh, and from uh, from Troy and I, wish you the best. Thanks for joining, fellas. Uh, Troy, yeah, take you. us out. Have a great game, everybody, and we'll see you in on the next interview. Yep. Everybody be safe. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed. Uh, Give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube. And you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time.